Hey, and welcome to Save Your Sorry, the podcast where we tell you about the rise and fall of a celebrity. I'm your host, Jose. Joining me is my co-host and best friend, Katrina Rochelle. Yay! 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 <laughs> and if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for listening. We'd love to have you. If it's your first time, pull up a chair and <laughs> listen to, I think, probably a messed up story that Katrina's going to tell us. Probably, it's me. <laughs> so who are we talking about today, Katrina? So we are talking about hip-hop mogul and entrepreneur, Russell Simmons. Oh my goodness, really? Yes. I gotta say, I think I'm a Russell Simmons fan. Oh my gosh, knowing what I wrote, that's hilarious you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Okay, so uh, before we get to it, let me uh, actually be a good, a semi good podcaster and uh, say my sources this time all the way. So um, I got all this information besides stuff that I already knew. We have the New York Times, Hollywood Reporter, Rolling Stone, the Daily Mail, Essence.com, People.com, and AllMusic.com, as well as Hip Hop Wired. Okay. Can you do so much for music, fashion, and culture and reach a mountaintop so high that there is nowhere else to go but down? Could you become so rich and powerful that it ends up biting you in the ass and in some way sullies your reputation? Or instead, could money, power, and influence create or rather reveal an uglier, selfish, darker part of yourself previously unknown or hidden away? That is what I think could be happening or happen to Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons has been described as a genius, an innovator, philanthropist, and a great man even, and a great father. But there also is a darker part of Russell Simmons' personality that has also come to light or alleged has come to light. So let's get right down to it. But first, Jose. Are you familiar with Russell Simmons at all? And if you are, what general knowledge do you have about this man? Okay. There was this little show <laughs> called Run's House. Yes. And he was on there. He was the uncle, Uncle Russell. Oh, really? And he, like, how they portrayed it on the show, and that's my only knowledge of him, was that he's just this great businessman. He... He helped him with, what was their shoe brand? Pastries? Mm-hmm. And they were always going to him, but he was, like, kind of a hard-ass, too. He wasn't, like, Rev Run, who would just, like, take baths and text on his phone. <laughs> he was, like, a, a businessman. He would not take baths and not text on his phone. <laughs> but that's how, like, they showed him in the show. Like, that mm-hmm. I'm remembering. It's like, oh, Uncle Russell. Yeah, they portrayed him as, like, to- a... Yes, Kamora Lee Simmons. Kamora Lee Simmons, who was in that video game. What video game? Def Jam. The <laughs> fighting game. I could have called that. I don't know why I didn't. Yeah, that's that's funny. I, that's where I knew of her from. Def Jam Vendetta or Fight for New York? I think it's Fight for New York. As she should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure. Well, um, okay, that, that's pretty much what I expected you to say. I do remember you and your mini obsession with Re, uh, Run's house. So I, 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 used to, I used to sign my messages like that back when like text message <laughs> signatures were cool. 
I hated it because none of my phones did signatures. Mine was love, rev, run. Of course. Never change, Jose. <laughs> well, um, since I since we're uh, we're discussing Russell Simmons, uh, I had to ask, like I do with any other celebrity who I pick and try to cover, am I a fan? Am I not a fan? Do I have any bias? Uh, any uh, biases? How do you say it? Shit! What the fuck is it? I've heard biases and biases. Now I'm, I'm sounding like a dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but do I have uh, any bias against him? And thinking about it, I had to go with the answer no and yes. Uh, am I a fan of Russell Simmons? Probably not. I don't know if he's the type of person you could be a fan of, but I can appreciate all his contributions to the entertainment fashion world. I, I can appreciate him and his business IQ and all that. But I do have some bias against him because just like I said with Bill Cosby, when I laid eyes on this man, something about his face just read, this man's weird. <laughs> this man ain't right. This man could be evil. I don't like. <laughs> okay, I don't know the allegations, but is he Bill Cosby level that we're same. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> uh, so that's how I felt. But like I said, uh, form your own opinions once you hear the story. Russell Simmons has been in the entertainment business world for decades. And in that time, he's accomplished so much and created so many different avenues for the hip hop slash urban community and black cultural as a whole. But let's rewind to his more humble beginnings. Russell Wendell Simmons was born October 4th, 1957 in New York Libra. City. I was going to say it. I was going to say, mm, mm, that October 4th is looking close to another number I know. I don't know what he did. Shut up. Don't even. <laughs> don't even. Right. An October Libra? Hmm. Which, is that your man? You going to stick beside him? <laughs> So far, the evidence is on his side. Because <laughs> I've only said the man's birthday. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so Russell was born October 4, 1957, to parents Daniel and Evelyn Simmons. He was raised in Queens, and he has two brothers who eventually grew to be successful in their own right. He has an older brother, Daniel Simmons Jr., who is a known painter and published author, and then his younger brother, Joseph Simmons, who we just referenced, who uh, later became the founding members of the record-breaking group Run DMC. He was known as Run, DJ Run, or Rev Run in his later years when he became an ordained minister. Now, Simmons grew up in a middle-class neighborhood, but in his adolescence, because he was surrounded around some gang life, he did dabble and get involved in that life temporarily experimenting in drugs and joining a gang before deciding to leave that life after a few short years. Now, after Russell graduates high school, he enrolls in City College of New York. Let's pause. For some reason, I don't know why I have this obsession with schools that don't sound real. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of name is City College of New York? And why would you want to go there? <laughs> it does sound a little sketch. 
Like if I told my parents, no, please believe me, I'm enrolled in City College. It, it, it like, seems like bitch, really, yeah, really fake. Like you're thinking, oh, I go to college in the city, the city college, New York. Yeah, it's... <laughs> the University of United States. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to say that for some reason. So um, he enrolls in City College in New York for a short period in 1975. And during that time, through friends and associates in the music business, Russell starts promoting music acts and becoming a promoter himself. Promotes some different uh, musicians, does some concerts, and then getting more into hip-hop itself is becoming like... um, People didn't think it was like a... This style of music was going to hang around. But as it's becoming more popular, more people are... Uh, performing and rapping and all that, he starts to focus his promoting business on uh, more rap artists and rap acts and then moves to create his own promotion company, uh, Rush Productions, which if if you're familiar with Russell, he sometimes is known as Rush or Uncle Rush and stuff like that. And as you know, he does have that Rush card with all them high-ass interest fees and all that shit. No, he does have a Rush card. Oh yeah, really. I mean, he's a. I mean, they didn't give that title mogul to him loosely. No. Huh. Hmm. You feel a little different. Know that he's exploiting the communities he serves. <laughs> no, I don't really feel bad about that. Of course you don't. You're elitist. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So. No comment. Um, <laughs> he creates Rush Productions. Uh, Rush being a nickname that was given to him by a friend, and he works closely with his friend, Curtis Walker, who uh, ends up becoming a rapper himself and changes his name to Curtis Blow, and Russell becomes his manager. Now, Curtis Blow becomes the first rapper signed to a major record label, and he ends up being the first rapper with a single that goes certified gold, which is the 1980 hit the breaks. Are you familiar with that? Can't say I am. It's that um it's it's, it's these are the breaks. Bring it up, bring it up. Oh, okay. Can't, that's that's I, yeah. And that's only that that's what everybody knows. Nobody else knows anything else about that song. Some songs are just like that. It's iconic, only with a few words. Uh-huh. So uh, Curtis Blow, uh, he paves the way, even though he had a decent career, he didn't have a a very long rapping career. He ends up parlaying it into some other stuff later in life, but he doesn't have a very long, successful rap career. But him being that first rapper to sign to a major label and have that single goal, Certified Gold, as well as Russell Simmons being his manager and really putting him out there and promoting him, he paves the way for a lot of other hip-hop acts who up being a lot unfortunately to say a lot more legendary and more cemented in their legacy speaking of russell simmons he helped form run dmc in the early 80s so he told his brother joey aka joseph but you know he goes by joey as far as like family and friends uh he told his brother joey and his friend daryl mcdaniels he uh, basically suggested that they take their talents and create a, a rap group, a rap duo. They took that advice and then they end up joining with their other friend, um, Jason Mazel, who ends up becoming Jam Master J, and that becomes Run DMC. 
altogether. Now, uh, they end up breaking the mold by, you know, just coming off the top with their hard-hitting raps, the type of things that they talk about, their different look. They got those big old, uh, like, mafia bowler hats, the big chains, uh, the understated black outfits with sometimes the loud jackets, and, of course, the classic Adidas. Now, as this is happening around 83, 84, Russell Simmons meets Rick Rubin, who was an NYU student at the time. He has an interest in promoting music, too. Rick and Russell end up pooling and saving their money together, and uh, they become the founders of the record label Def Jam. Creating Def Jam, they sign legendary acts like the Beastie Boys, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Public Enemy, LL Cool J, and many others. Very iconic. And back to how they dress, the Run DMC, they just have a very iconic look for... I don't know, the chains, the hacks. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you see a photo of Run DMC, you just somehow know it's Run DMC. I don't I don't know if younger people would, but just I don't know. They've kind of cemented that look. I would say, yeah, I would say at least millennials would probably see yeah. it them like, oh, or even better, you could see like a Halloween costume or somebody having like a inspired type of outfit and be like, Oh yeah, that's definitely inspired from the run DMC look. Definitely. Era. Like, if any time they do it on, because you said costume, like TV or something that they show costumes, oh, and you yeah. want to show like a hip hop star or rapper in the early 80s, 90s type of thing, mm -hmm. it is the Run DMC look. And then you got like, I don't know if you're really familiar with like Slick Rick that take inspiration from that type of style and like make it their own slash elevate it. Because then you had Slick Rick who had a signature. Uh, eye patch, but then his chains, he had those like times five run DMC chains that were just so big and bulky that covered his entire neck. Oh, yeah. So, that was just like the culture. Mm -hmm. Then in uh, 1985, with Warner Brothers, Russell Simmons wants to branch out. R Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin want to br branch out. So uh, they start doing deaf pictures. That starts releasing movies. Cush Groove, which was inspired by Russell's life, a movie called The Funeral, and of course, The Nutty Professor. Ooh. These are movies that Def Pictures end up producing. So in 1988, uh, Rick Rubin ends up leaving Def Jam. He wants to create his own label. He wants to go do his own ventures. And um, Russell still oversees part of Def Jam. He promotes um, some other associates who become well-known later, but, you know, the story ain't about them, so who cares? Russell decides to go into his next venture, which is TV. He wants to start creating and producing TV shows. What comes next? Of course, the iconic Def Comedy Jam. Are you familiar with Def Comedy Jam? Yeah. What? I know you probably don't know that, so I'll, I'll, I'll switch to another question. Who are some of the comedians who you knew to at least have uh, Def Comedy Jam sets? Or who were popular like that? Oh. <laughs> Reaching into the your black encyclopedia. I want to say Mike Epps. You're just guessing because he's a black comedian. No, no. I'll give you a pass. Give me two more. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be a guess on blackness. Okay. Lonnie Love. She's been on there, of course. Uh, of course, yeah. Um, I already said Mike Epps. I feel like that's the only person I could think of. That's oh, crazy because no, you the on. classics. Just talk 
Dave Chappelle, Bernie Mac. There you go. There you go. That's who Steve I Harvey. Has Steve Harvey. Um, I don't know, Steve. I feel like, of course, he eventually, but I don't know if he's one of the starters. But yeah. So uh, yeah, those are some of the people who I thought you were going to say. But yeah, people like uh, Dave Chappelle, Chris Tucker, Martin Lawrence, Cedric the Entertainer, uh, Bernie Mac. Those are some of the people who definitely were big acts who made history um, on Deaf Comedy Jam. So that's just another way that Russell Simmons has had influence, you know, through the entertainment world. Mm. So uh, especially because just to tap lightly back on this is because Deaf Comedy Jam was like the show for black comedians to really showcase their talent because those other late night shows, primetime shows weren't inviting a lot of black comedians out there to tell their jokes and stuff like that. You had to fit a, a certain mold. Yeah, so, definitely. The, yeah, so here in the 90s, Russell Simmons is creating that intersection of hip hop and entertainment and funny, and that's just what it came to be. I don't know who would watch that in my house. It might have been my sister, but I always remember, like, towards in the late night, they, it would come on, like, BT or something. That could be Def Comedy Jam. That also could have been Comic View. <laughs> um, I think it was Comic View. Yes, Comic Hold View on. used to come on at BT uh, late at night. Too. Yeah, maybe I'm getting the mixed but up. Def Jam used to come sometimes used to come on late at night, like the reruns on HBO late at night. So oh, honestly, maybe. You could, yeah, you could be talking about either one, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with both. So um, like I said, it became like an intersection of hip hop and comedy. You had famous musicians and actresses even showing up to the taping sometimes, uh, just making it uh, even more just lit place basically you got music movies and tv that russell's dabbling in but he is not done he's adding print media and fashion in the year of 1992 so in 1992 he launches the magazine one world apparently at the time this was a magazine that was just about like hip-hop culture you know hip-hop rap musicians and uh stuff like that and then later, he also launches the clothing line Fat Farm. Now, I don't, I don't remember you in Fat Farm, but you used to have another one, another classic. I saw you in that South Pole shirt. I don't act like I just had one shirt I was able to wear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just remember you had a specific. I had South Pole several shirt. South Pole shirts. It wasn't. First of all, I wasn't trying to clown you like you had one shirt. <laughs> You don't want to talk about like you got one shirt. You you had that one South Pole shirt. Like, I was talking about like urban clothing lines, but you I never saw you in Fat Farm. No, I, I was never in Fat Farm. Mm. Bet you didn't wear FUBU either. For Thanks. Us By Us? I, no, I didn't wear that one. First of all, don't act like you knew what it meant back then. I did as a as a three-year-old. <laughs> I was like, no, for us by us, that is obviously not for me. <laughs> That's, that would be hilarious. I was like, damn, Jose knew and never told me. I didn't even you learn. Just waking up, I've been awake for years. That's crazy. You know my own culture before me. So after talking about all of Russell's professional successes and his endeavors. Let's talk about his private life, his romantic life. You know, Russell did date around, of course, 
as he was building his empire and getting his success, but what about that one serious lady in his life? In the year of 1992, while attending a fashion show that was happening during New York Fashion Week, Russell Simmons spots Kamora Lee. She's walking the runway and he immediately is enraptured, I guess, by her. And uh, when the show's over, he starts to try to woo her and date her. Now, at this time, it's funny because Kimora is a model. And in that scene, you have a lot of famous models in the 90s, specifically Tyra Banks. And uh-huh. Kimora was warned by Tyra that Russell at the time was kind of like a womanizer and that he kind of really likes to date models, which uh, looking at his dating track record, I would say like 90% of the the women he's dated are models or actress slash models. Okay. Now, even though Kimora is warned by her friend Tyra that he's a little bit of a womanizer and stuff like that, she decides to stick with him and they start to date and fall in love. The stickler is that Russell is 35 and Kimora is 17. Oh my goodness. Well, right. Now, I personally think that this is gross and nasty. Um, It doesn't matter what the age of consent is to me. I feel like if you're not 18, it's you're not you're not an adult. And even then, depending on the age of the other person, I'm still going to side eye you. Yeah, just because 18 is not that magical number. It's just, it's still weird. Mm-hmm. You say he's 35. He's 35 when he meets her. She is 17. I just think, yeah, very weird. Now, decades later, when this age difference is discussed uh, in the year of 2020, Russell does, I guess, try to explain to social media how he viewed the age difference. So let, let's explain what happened. So in the year 2020, Russell Simmons, he dedicates a happy birthday post to Kimora Lee. Posts an old picture of them together and says, uh, basically, look at us. We've been through so much. I love you so much. You made me who I am. You're great. One of those types of happy birthday posts. Uh huh. And you know how some people are, especially if you got something shady in your background. So you got everybody who's being positive and this one person comments and is basically like, side-eyeing the fact that when they met, Kimura was 17 and he was <laughs> old as fuck. And he decides to comment on that. So let me read you Russell's comment on Instagram. Okay, before you do that, why can't these celebs sometimes just let it go? They can't. I they're think it's either a guilty this... conscience or they just have a need to engage. Yeah, I think it's like the need to engage to prove wrong. It's like Dude, you're a freaking millionaire talking to someone who probably like is broke, is not even happy. It's just it's just trolling. Like sometimes they're calling you out for a real reason, but Oh yeah. He could have honestly let this go and it would not have affected his life one bit. The yeah, the way I think about it is if you think you're right, continue to be right and not talk. His comment says, quote, I never do this, but that's not true. I guess saying like she was underaged or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never do this, but that's not true. She turned 18 right after I met her February fashion week. Tyra Banks, in quotes, our bridesmaid, Cindy Crawford, Naomi were all backstage at the Mary McFadden show. They said I was a modelizer. 
I guess that's a combination of model and womanizer. They all said that I was a modelizer and I wasn't going to stick around. I think that may have inspired her. And then he uses the laugh and emoji and says the challenge. Like she was inspired by the challenge of, I guess, getting him to keep getting him to stick around, which is crazy to think of as a 17 year old getting a 35 year old man to stick around and commit to you. <laughs> but I, I get what he's saying though. Yeah, like, oh yeah, she's the 17 year old. She was in charge. <laughs> That's how it reads. That's yeah, it, it reads stupid, but like we all we know what he's trying to say. We got to know each other. By May, we were dating. She was legal at 17, <laughs> but she turned 18 that May. Her mother and her manager. Beth Ann Hardison approved, supported, and rushed us. In parentheses, we really didn't need a push. The love affair began. People like to talk every so often. I lose my cool and talk back, so take this advice. Be happy, share happiness, try to think uplifting thoughts, and keep learning to practice love. That's our goal. Oh, and celebrate the queen at Kimora Lee Simmons. Basically saying he did not date an underage girl by saying he dated an underage girl. But yeah. he, was, he was supported and um, he, he was supported by her, her friends and family. And even though she knew about my womanizing ways, she uh, stuck with me and we loved each other. But they did get married. Yeah, eventually. And didn't they have kids? Yeah, eventually. Still don't change nothing. It, it doesn't. It's just... I'm not going to shit on him too hard for that. Open up the gates, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, back to the actual relationship. Russell Simmons proposes in 1997. They marry in 1998. And I think it's that year... No, in 1999, Russell helps Kimora launch Baby Fat, the women's counterpart to Fat Farm, which also ends up being very successful as well at the time. Would you say more successful? I didn't look that up, but it's possible because girls, I mean, by the hell. I always thought baby fat became more. I th I th like I said, I think it's definitely possible. Or maybe it was towards the end of like their popularity. Mm -hmm. Maybe baby fat just lasted longer. I just remember seeing like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the last part. It definitely lasted longer. Yeah, I just. Farm. A lot of women definitely wore that, or girls growing up wore that. Yeah, do you know, I seeing that fucking Siamese cat on everything and being mad, I ain't got no Siamese cat on the back of my coat. <laughs> yeah. They then had two daughters, Ming Lee in January 2000, and Aoki Lee, August 2002. They end up separating in 2006, temporarily still living together and co-parenting, and then eventually, Kamara starts to move on with actor Jaimon Hanzu. I hope I'm saying it right. I've tried to practice my best. When she gets together with him, funniest quote out of this whole story. Now I have someone who has the heart, the soul, and the hotness. Oh. <laughs> she said, my baby daddy ugly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Like, it's funny since they're still on talking terms. Yes. It doesn't seem like catty, you know? I think it's a little catty. Maybe a little, but I feel like, cause that's okay. I know you didn't get with that man at 17 years old because you thought that man looked good. He had money. 
I mean, that's, and, and ain't nothing wrong about it. Just like he didn't get with you because he thought you were 20. <laughs> she ends up filing for divorce in 2008, and then they are officially divorced in 2009. Now, notable partners after Kimora Lee are actress Melissa George. Um, you would probably know her from Grey's Anatomy. She played Meredith's best friend for a little bit. Yes. Damn. How did I not remember her name until you said it? How did you not? It's dying death. I, you know why? I just hate her for that Cali storyline. Never forgave him. And then um, he ends up with actress Shannon Elizabeth. Uh, notable roles are Nadia from American Pie or Scary Movie. And then he's with uh, model Paige Butcher, who you're like, how is she notable? I looked it up. Paige Butcher is now Eddie Murphy's fiance, who he had his latest child with. And I mean, like, latest, like, I think a year or two. Interesting. Interesting. Same circles, probably. That's what I'm saying. They, you know, they find their, their ways. But, you know, that's not the whole story. While there is this timeline of Russell Simmons building his name and credibility in the rap game and then creating uh, these legendary record labels and uh, all this media and expanding his empire, a very different, disturbing, dark timeline has also begun to emerge after some women who knew, worked with, or was associated with Russell began to speak out against him and share their stories. I always hate these a lot more than a, like a big scandal happening. Why you say that? Or describe to me what you mean and why you say that. Like... The throughout the years thing, like where you had with Ron Jeremy, we had with Bill Cosby. Oh, like this shit's been happening, like getting swept over the rug over a course of decades, but we don't find out about it until later. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I don't, I hate those two. I yeah, I, it, the reason I hate it mostly is because it, you always get those quotes of it was pretty much an open secret, everyone knew. Yep, yep, yep. Fuck it just makes me think like how many celebrities today are doing that. Like even though we try to say we know better now, do we? Do we? Are there we're in the are... Me Too era, and we're we're getting people out of here. But sometimes sometimes we're not. A lot of times we're not. Yeah, I yeah. So in December two thousand seventeen, the New York Times publishes an article written by Joe Coscarelli and Melina. Rizik, titled Music Mogul Russell Simmons is Accused of Rape by Three Women. Then, in February 2018, Rolling Stone publishes an article written by Elias Late named Russell Simmons' Sexual Assault Allegations a Timeline. These two articles detail the stories of multiple women who accuse Simmons of rape and or sexual misconduct. These two articles uh, detail multiple stories of women who have been either sexually harassed by Russell Simmons or have accused him of rape. And so if you want to get the full story and read these experiences, I do implore you to check out the New York Times article or the Rolling Stone article uh, in full so you can see it. But I will just be taking a few stories so we can kind of get the gist of it as well as not dive too deep into this like unfortunate trauma. Okay. One of the first stories is this one woman named Tony Sally, who is a music journalist. In the late 80s, she went on a few dates with Russell Simmons, specifically 1987. But soon she did realize after those few dates, he was just a friend to her. And so they decided not to pursue things. 
it is a year later that she runs into Russell Simmons and he invites her to a party that he is having um, at his apartment. He tells her that the party is apparently for his girlfriend at the time. But when she arrives at the apartment, no one is there but Russell. And he wants to show her around, show her the apartment. When he shows her, he takes her directly to his bedroom. When he takes her there, she says that he pushes her on the bed and uh, proceeds to attack her and then afterwards rapes her. That is so disturbing. The fact that it was like planned. I I guess that sounds stupid to say because... You know, no one like accidentally raped someone, but invited he her to her this, yeah, he invited her to this party and is when there's no party and he like makes up the story. Like it just that's way more disturbing to me for some reason. Mm-hmm. I agree. Afterwards, in the article, she lists uh, the two friends name and a colleague who she told uh, around the time of this attack that she was raped. And the article confirms that, that they, they talked to those colleagues and those friends and they confirmed that Tony during that time did tell them that she was raped by Russell Simmons. She decides to stay quiet uh, regarding a police report. She said she didn't know what way it was going to go, basically what was going to happen to her. So she does not go to the police. But she is worried about her career. She is a music journalist and Russell Simmons at this time is dead center making history. This is 1987. Run DMC is doing its thing and all the other acts he's uh, put on are going platinum and all this other stuff. So she's worried about her career. She's uh, quoted as saying, you have to understand, I was very much in a man's game. Black women were just starting to break into the field. Now, a year later, Miss Sally says that she ends up seeing Russell. Once he spots her, he goes after her and tries to drag her by her hair alone. And he gets her into a room, but she fights him out, fights back, ends up getting uh, escaping the room, goes back to her, I guess, hotel room and barricades herself in there. What the hell? Like, so they were at least dating for a little bit and then he plans the rape and then he sees her and he just like attacks her to rape her. So the timeline for Tony Sally is like in 1987, they go on a few dates Uh huh. to her. The spark's not there. They ended. Yeah. The next year they end up seeing each other since they ended on good terms. When Russell Simmons invites her to this party he's having for his girlfriend, I, I guess she's not seeing any threat, any red flag, so she uh-huh. accepts that invitation. That is when, when he gets her alone, he rapes her. And then after that, um, she does nothing. She doesn't go to the police. But a year later, at a different location, when he sees her, another assault occurs. But nothing happens to the extreme, just her getting her hair pulled and getting roughed up a little bit because she gets away from him. I guess it seems so crazy to me. Just the history that we have covered of other celebrities. Mm-hmm. Like, usually when they encounter the victim the second time, 
it's always they always try to like apologize or say oh i thought you wanted that or i don't know it's just so bizarre to me for a a second attempted rape. Do you get what I'm okay, saying? I, I agree. Uh, she doesn't say it was an attempted rape. Yeah, but, a, but attempt he, he attack get, of something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, it wasn't. Hmm. Yeah, you're. I I get what you're saying too. Yes. So just like I I'm trying to think like all through the list of people who just because Bill Cosby always comes to mind and Ron Jeremy was the recent one. You know when the people who they raped, allegedly raped, or raped. Um, it's always a different of, they come, they say they're sorry, they say, I thought you'd wanted it. They, I don't know, it just, just seems like very bizarre behavior to me. But yeah. it could be just because he has gained more and more powerful, more and more famous. Yeah, he's not seeing any consequences for it. So he's uh -huh. just getting more emboldened and just doing more increasingly erratic and um, reckless behavior. Yeah. Maybe he was in that that phase. But yeah, you're right. Some people do go through that whole uh, apology cycle abuse too as well. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the Rolling Stone article timeline, where in 1991, allegedly Russell assaults four women during this year. Now, it said that in November, an interview that was uh, first published by the Los Angeles Times, a model named Carrie Clausen alleged that Simmons coerced her into performing oral sex on him at his apartment when she was 17, while the director, Brett Ratner, watched. And then in a guest column published by The Hollywood Reporter in November, a screenwriter, Jenny Lumet, alleged that Simmons raped her in his apartment, also in the year 1991. Then in December of last year, which um, I'm guessing they mean in 2017, because this was an article written in 2018. Another woman who wished to remain anonymous alleged that Simmons assaulted her at his apartment during 1991 as well. And afterwards, this anonymous woman met with the NYPD to provide information about the alleged event. Something noteworthy is Brett Ratner also has had a few sexual misconduct allegations uh, about him throughout the years. So... You could say one of those, maybe it's a possible birds of a feather flock together type shit. It's so crazy. There's this many and I've never heard of this. Mm-hmm. So next we're going to talk about a woman named Drew Dixon. Now, Drew Dixon in the early 90s is starting to see the hip hop revolution, as uh, some people called it, springing forth and and she wanted to be a part of that history. She wanted to join in. So in 1992, after Drew uh, has decided she wants to be a part of the hip hop revolution slash evolution, she, through some friends, ends up meeting Russell Simmons. Now, two years have passed and Russell Simmons is now looking for an A&R uh, at his label to kind of scout talent and help uh, contribute slash create hit records. Miss Dixon says that as soon as she met with Russell and uh, was given the job, she says his advances start immediately. She says at one meeting with him um, after receiving the job, he's trying to kiss her, uh, pouring her drinks. No, no. He was uh, giving her drinks and then try to push her into a broom closet to kiss her, which I was like, damn. And then um, says that 
she had her own office and Russell Simmons used to go into her office and expose himself. He would do this a lot. And so this ended up leading her to get a copy of her office key. Uh, and she gave it to a male coworker and she gave it to the male coworker with instructions of like, Hey, I'm, I'm give you this key to my office and then I'm going to page you. Whenever I paid you, do not call me. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Come to my office because that means I'm being harassed by Russell, basically. Wow. So she kind of had like, she she tried to have safeguards in there for his inappropriate behavior. Yeah, but she has to go to a coworker. I mean, not, not HR, which I guess he's the owner. Yeah, she's. I get. I think she's just stuck in this loop of still wanting this job, uh-huh. but not wanting to be sexually harassed and trying her best to not. Be, and, and it's not her fault. And and being a victim isn't a bad thing. But I feel like at this time maybe she didn't want to be a victim because you're yeah. right. If you're not that, if you're if you're even when you're scared, but if you feel like um, I don't. Uh, some sometimes you feel like you just don't have a way out. Even if there is HR, you feel like this is not. It's, you're not going to be helped. I think she sees it this way. She doesn't have to come forward. It's just, oops, I'm in your. You know, the coworker comes in and Russell will stop doing what he's doing because he obviously, in her mind, doesn't want to do it in front of people. Yeah, maybe give him some accountability. Maybe shows that she has uh, people looking out for her and, and that other people know about his behavior, and yeah. that would hopefully make him stop. But some people like him don't don't stop if they have uh, a lot of control and power. Uh huh. Yeah, like I said, she gave her copy of her office key to that male coworker so he could interrupt any of Russell's inappropriate meetings. In this article, the Rolling Stone, no, the New York Times article, Mr. Simmons, through his lawyer, acknowledges that he engaged in inappropriate conduct with Miss Dixon while she worked at Def Jam, but does not say anything else. So I think that speaks volumes about maybe if more than one person had caught him or knew about what he used to do back then. It has to be more than one person. Why else would this guy confess to something? Yeah, yeah. Miss Dixon doesn't say that um, she was raped by Russell Simmons. And I think maybe that also plays a part in while he admits that he engaged in inappropriate conduct because he knows that there's there's proof and truth that could be released and show that. As well as uh, there were... Uh, colleagues of Miss Dixon that cooperated her story. So one quote from Drew Dixon regarding Russell Simmons and how he used to treat her is, fending him off was a full-time job. It was exhausting. It was like making a record while swimming in the rough seas. When asked for why she did not immediately leave, she says that she basically implies that she was talented at her job and that she she wanted to advance. She wanted to go up the career ladder. Uh-huh. Um, she says, directly quoted, I didn't want to cut off my one conduit to having any hope of a career. I thought if I could survive long enough to have a hit, a real bona fide hit with my name on it, I would move categories from sexual object to respected colleague. Hmm. But if Russell Simmons is the person who she's, is the person who she's explain, uh she's describing. That person is never going to make, they're not going to elevate you. They're going to try to keep you down to who you are and what you're doing then. 
because if if you get uh, pushed up the ladder, that's more uh, that's a, a a bigger chance of them being exposed. Yeah, that's why they like to keep you down. Very very rarely have you ever seen like a a victim of somebody elevate their victim of sexual harassment or their their rape victim to like a high status. That that's not usually what they would do. No, and. She's thinking, I just have to put up with this and get that record and to move on. And people ask her why she stayed, but why is no one asking him, hey, why the fuck did you do that? Like, that's mm -hmm. fucked up. Let's stop asking the victim, why did you endure this abuse for so long? Let's ask the perpetrator, the predators, why don't, why don't we ask him, like, hey, what the fuck's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Why do you do this to your workers? Yeah, Why do you do this to women? So in 1995, Miss Dixon had thought she had found that lifeline, that that thing that would that would uh, traject, uh, push her up to push her all the way up the ladder. So it's a it's a soundtrack for a music documentary called The Show. It's featuring Tupac and a tribe called Quest, two big hip hop acts. The soundtrack ends up going platinum. And uh, her and Russell are listed as executive producers, and she's really excited about it. But being excited about it and thinking, you know, everything's going to turn out good. This is, uh, this is, this is change. I, I'm my stuff is changing. Things around me are changing. She said she let her guard down. So Russell is quoted as saying, "You have the number one record in the country. I'll order you a car." Now her guard is down. So. She's not thinking anything of it. He says he wants to order her a car. He leads her back to the apartment. When he leads her back to the apartment to quote unquote call the cab, um, she says she remembers realizing I was cornered. She says that uh, Russell tries to make advances to her. She says that she even tried to say like she had a procedure done. Like uh, she went to the uh, gynecologist. Uh, what's it called? How do you say it? Gynecologist. Gynecologist. Yes, yeah, she went to the gynecologist uh, and she, she can't have sex. Uh, she's, she says that he told her that um, he didn't care and she says that she blacked out. She says, the last thing I remember was him pinning me down to kiss me on the bed. And then she recalls being in the hot tub. Now, when I get to this part of the story, when she basically says she doesn't remember anything after him pinning her down and kissing her on the bed, and then she wakes up in the hot tub and they're naked, she says that she didn't drink and she don't and she doesn't think that she was drugged. She says that rather she thinks she ended up dissociating from the entire event, and that's why her memory is so patchy in in those moments. Hmm. I mean, I guess that's possible. I mean, who, who's to say? She's this is this is this is Drew Dixon's account. Uh huh. Uh, so Denise Gale, a friend of Miss Dixon who was staying with her, uh, recalls um, Drew coming in, uh, basically coming into the house in a daze. Uh, Denise says she pretty much told me right away that he had sexually assaulted her, and that she had told him no. She cried that he didn't seem to be interested in stopping. She mentally deteriorated instantly. And then there's three other people who apparently confirmed that uh, Miss Dixon told him about the assault and all the harassment that she was receiving at that time. 
That's so horrible. Now, uh, Russell Simmons' lawyer chimes in because, you know, they, they they basically reach out to a comment on all these stories that they're getting from these women. And uh, Russell Simmons' lawyer emphatically states that he did not have sex with her. But, you know, earlier we saw that his lawyer does admit that there was a sexual misconduct with Miss Drew Dixon. Yeah, probably because she can prove that. Mm-hmm. But maybe not this total situation. No. That's crazy. You want to cherry pick sexual assaults. But I mean, they all do. That's, yeah, you're right. So soon after that night, Miss um, Dixon writes her resignation letter for Def Jam and she leaves. She does end up uh, getting back on her feet and starts at Arista Records as an A&R executive who's under Clive Davis. And this is in 1996. Now she does get a, a, a fair amount of success as an A&R at Arista Records. Uh, they, she says some of the, the singles that she had uh, parts in contributing to were Whitney Houston's My Love Is, is Your Love, Aretha Franklin's A Rose Is Still A Rose, and Santana's Maria Maria. Ooh. Yeah, those are some good ones. Maria but, Maria. How do I know that's the one that you're going to repeat? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but here's the, the unfortunate part. And this honestly doesn't even have anything to do with Russell Simmons. But um, eventually Clive Davis ends up leaving Arista Records. And uh, L.A. Reed ends up inheriting or slash taking over. And Drew Dixon says that at one point after he takes over, L.A. Reed starts sexually harassing her. And starts making sexual advances towards her, and uh, making her uncomfortable to the point where she def- she she left uh, soon after. Well, so God I, damn. I th- yeah, I thought it was so unfortunate. She she only had like a a brief stint of like calm and success, and not having to worry about like people harassing her before it unfortunately started up again. And just like I had stated. Uh, with Brett Ratner, L.A. Reid has had multiple sexual ac- uh, sexual misconduct accusations against him as well, which ended up in him like um, resigning from one of his record labels or his production companies like uh, a couple years ago. Oh, and one more thing about uh, Miss Dixon and Russell Simmons was that she uh, did have to threaten to sue Def Jam because... Uh, she there were unpaid business expenses. They still owed her money. So when she hired a lawyer and threatened to sue for the outstanding um, bills and all the stuff that she was owed and sexual harassment, uh, they ended up settling out of court. And that was confirmed by Drew's lawyer and Mr. Simmons' lawyer. Oh, okay. Drew says that years after her experience with Russell at Def Jam, one day he did uh, see her and apologized to her at an industry event. He said, quote, I have daughters and I do yoga now, Drew, and I know what I did was wrong and I'm sorry. Doesn't that just sound like the most pathetic, shitty, self-serving apology you ever fucking heard? It does. And I get people can change, but not from rape. I don't, I don't no. think you can. Yeah, you don't just do yoga and be like, huh. Raping that woman was wrong. And saying it so like, I mean, who knows how he said it, but the way it's written sounds so like, 
you just toss around. Oh, I have daughters, and I do uh-huh. yoga now. And I know I was wrong, so I'm sorry. Sorry I did that to you. Forever changed your life and the trajectory of your career. Like, that's fucking crazy to me. Yeah. To fast forward through some other years, um, there are some other allegations. A couple of ones is in 2005. And was he, this after he had his daughter, 2005-ish? Uh, this is after he had both his daughters. Because okay. uh, one daughter's uh, born in 2000 and the other one's 2002. So it's in 2005 that he allegedly exposed himself to a massage therapist. Um, apparently, uh, the massage therapist's name is Aaron Beatty. He books her for massage, you know, and about halfway, he's basically like turning around and exposing himself, saying like, do you want to handle this or something like that? And she's quoted as saying, he just expected that that was what was going to happen. He couldn't believe I I would say no, which is like, you're, you're so emboldened. This stuff, you've been doing this for a while now. You just expect people to start just seeing the control and power you you wield and do what you say. And just to pull it out, because he did that with old girl too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Is he a, that is so weird. He has to be empowered or a flasher or something, or both. Yeah. Here's another uh, kind of leading somebody to his apartment, leading the lambs to slaughter. Um, in 2014, there is a, a woman named Christina Moore. And she says that um, he was supposed to be showing, Russell Simmons was supposed to be showing her and one of her friends to like a, this bar in Miami. But instead of showing her and her friend to the bar, he guides them to his apartment. Uh, Miss Moore then says that Simmons, quote, ran his hands all over my body up and down. I felt assaulted. And then um, she and her friend end up running away from uh, Russell Simmons in his room. And then she says, I would hate to think of what would have happened if I were alone. Yeah. Now, one of the a little weird. Yeah. But it still has that weird element of him, like, cornering people and getting them alone. Yeah, the whole he does seem to have a. Routine pattern, pattern routine, yeah. yeah. Of we think we're doing this place. Oh, Russell turned the car this way instead, or had the driver turn the car. I don't know, Hmm. and got us to a different location, used his house. So, yeah, that's very weird. Yeah, um, one of the last accusations that end up uh happening kind of before 2017 and 18, and this story like blows wide open is um, apparently uh, Russell Simmons making inappropriate comments to Amanda Seals, which are you familiar with Amanda Seals? That name sounds so familiar. Um, She's like this, uh, she's like an author, poet, activist, actress. Um, She was on Insecure. She's also, she does a lot of like, she used to do a lot of Instagram videos speaking her mind. Oh, she was on The Real. She's the one who uh, left because she said that they were, they they uh, tried to push her out, and she was too black for him and all that. Yeah, okay. So in a December interview with the Los Angeles Times, Amanda Seals, the one we just talked about, who uh, got said, off the rail. <laughs> <laughs> Why you say it like that? Was she the one who was mad that she wasn't in like the footage? Yes, that's the one. I know we talked about her. Uh-huh. Yes, that's the one. 
So um, in an interview with the Los Angeles Times, Amanda Seals uh, says that uh, Simmons made inappropriate comments to her uh, during a business meeting uh, at All Deaf Digital in 2016. Basically, uh, Seals says that Russell Simmons was using like inappropriate vulgar language to ask or um, determine if they've ever had sex. These grown ass women. Like, yeah. Who's he having a meeting with? It, no. It, okay. So Amanda is saying it's a business meeting between her and Russell. Okay. And during that business meeting, he was using inappropriate language to basically ask if they had ever had sex before. I don't think I'm understood. He's asking her or he's asking if they. Okay. We're in a meeting, Jose. Yes. So I'm going to hire you. I'm going to pay you $50,000. And you just do this, this, and that. By the way, we ever fucked before? <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't remember? Touch my penis or something? You ever went downtown on there? That's what I was asking. Like, ever corned you in a broom closet and try to take your drawers off? If he just asked, "Have we ever had sex before?" First I don't of know. All, it's a business meeting, and second of all, you don't need to bring up sex. We're we're here to talk about business. Why are you making a sexual situation? You can't bring me to your company to get sexual. <laughs> you have to hire me. I I 100% agree with what you're saying, but if he was genuinely asking if they've had sex before. What's genuinely asking? Can you genuinely ask me if we've done it before? Like, if he honestly did not know, he's like, I know her from somewhere. But if you're using, why would you have to use vulgar language to ask that? I don't know the vulgar language, yeah. It seems like he put in some extras to either imply or suggest that if they haven't, they should. That's Maybe that's a, what made her feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that's like a weird like pickup line. I feel like like that's what's throwing me off. Like, oh, people definitely you've never heard somebody like use it as a pick. Like, don't we know each other? Or haven't we? Like, people do that. I I guess not. Like, <laughs> I was like, you need to be hit on men more. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's just like a weird pickup line. Like, <laughs> oh, have we had sex? No, we should. Like, that's weird to me. Or I making it vulgar. Have we fucked? Like, I don't know. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, in the in the year of 2016, uh, January, an aspiring filmmaker, uh, Jennifer Jerosick, she also alleges that uh, Russell Simmons had asked her to meet him at his home in 2016 to to discuss her her career. Um, She says that when she got there, he allegedly pounced on her and proceeded to rape her. Now, um, it says that Jennifer is suing him for $5 million in damages, Um, but I I think that got dismissed. Ooh, why? Which one is it? One, okay. There, there's been a couple uh, lawsuits against Russell Simmons. There was one lawsuit against Russell Simmons that was for $10 million. That got dismissed because of what we have always talked about, which is so wrong, statute limitations. The woman was reporting basically either a sexual assault or a rape from like 1988. And apparently based off of the laws of that state, 
the the year the last year she could file was 1990. So stupid. So two years of a uh, two year window since she didn't file then, they uh, dismissed the whole lawsuit. Apparently, the Jennifer Jarosik uh, lawsuit was dropped. So she did sue him for five million dollars, but apparently that um, after some time, both sides, meaning I guess. Russell Simmons and his lawyer and Jennifer and her lawyer agreed that the suit should be dismissed, saying that they're not going to reach a settlement and they'll pay their own lawyer's fees. Huh. So I wonder if they did reach a settlement. Who knows? But yeah, it says that they, they didn't. So as far as what's written, nothing was yeah, reached Yeah, like there. nothing on the books, but I mean like behind the scenes. Who knows? So uh, all these allegations in 2017 come flooding out about Russell Simmons and all his sexual misconduct and all the accusations of rape. And Simmons starts stepping down from his businesses, um, specifically following a Jenny Lumet's account of what happened to her in The Hollywood Reporter. He decides to announce that he's stepping down from pretty much almost all his corporate roles. He's quoted as saying, this is a time of great transition, <laughs> which I'm like, okay, whatever. And then he goes deeper into like, he, he's not trying to be a distraction. He's removing himself. So his business aren't impacted. But once your name is on it, once you found it, it, it doesn't matter. Those, those businesses are impacted forever. Yeah. I remember personally, um, All Deaf Digital, I had mentioned earlier with the whole Amanda Seals business meeting, but All Deaf Digital was like this channel on YouTube that was kind of funded slash produced by Russell Simmons. And it had all this great content and all these great creators on it and stuff like that. But when these allegations came out and he uh, left the board and stuff, they had to find a buyer. And it was hard because nobody wanted to touch it. It's all deaf. It's like, we know what that means. We know who that's associated with. So it just tells you right there. It doesn't matter if you leave or not. Um, once you put your name on it, those businesses sometimes will never recover. All deaf did, actually. But some don't. Some don't, yeah. Some do, like, uh, some change their name to get away from it, the stink That's of it. Cool. And that just shows you that as much as uh, Russell... Uh, Simmons had like indirectly and directly affected so many people's lives in great ways by putting their music in millions of ears and promoting them to stuff that they never would have had if they didn't meet. He's also kind of like fucked up a lot of lives with his sexual misconduct and with him being accused of these things and then just deciding to like close down shop and abandon everything because he, he says he doesn't want to be a distraction, but I also think he doesn't want to be liable. So he's trying to get the fuck out of there. That's, I mean, it's not like he goes away broken penniless. They probably bought him out or something. Maybe. Russell Simmons starts selling off his real estate as well. Um, he had uh, some places in Los Angeles and New York. He had a yoga studio in West Hollywood, apparently, that uh, he opened in 2007, no, 2016. And he ended up closing that too. Damn, they ran his ass out of town. Mm -hmm. um, as he's selling and selling everything and leaving boards and leaving all his companies, um, HBO also severs ties with uh, Russell Simmons, ends up removing his name from all deaf comedy. He ends up kind of deciding to spend more time in Bali 
it's quoted as saying it's one of his favorite destinations. Uh, it's also noted in the article that the island is a, a province of Indonesia, which has no extradition treaty with the U.S. <gasps> well, so the rumor is that he closed all his businesses, sold his houses, um, and moved to Bali because he didn't want to get kind of caught up like Shmeri uh, Schmeinschmein or Schmeinschmeinschmein. Nah. So you go to Bali, if they have no extradition treaty and you start really getting prosecuted or convicted of any crimes, it don't fucking matter. As long as you don't set foot in the U.S., you're fine. Or any other state that has a treaty with the U.S. Do you know, it's not the ending I wanted for him, but it's one of my preferred ones, the exile of the celebrities. Yeah, uh, he he he's the, he's saying as he's like getting closer with the earth and foregoing this other stuff and you know serving his community and all this other stuff. But I think it is what we think it is. You could have done this stuff years ago. Why'd you decide to do it now? And why'd you have to sell everything to do it now? No, yeah. I mean, he could be doing both, but I think he definitely got the hell out of Dodge because he knew it was coming. I wonder if that's why the story kind of died. Maybe, you know. Uh, he's quoted as saying, uh, oh, his rep is quoted as saying, you know, he is div divested himself of his active U.S. business interest interests to focus on his spiritual practice and serving his community. As part of that journey, Russell has traveled to many spiritual destinations around the world. And uh, he continues to retain active family presence and residence in the U.S., Something that also came out in the year 2020 was a documentary called On the Record uh, featuring many of the Russell Simmons accusers and sharing their stories about him and his harassment. Oh, wow. Now, it's just to say that, just like I had spoken before, through his lawyer, Russell Simmons has denied these allegations. He's admitted to some sexual misconduct, but he is absolutely denied any rapes that have been ordered or accused of him and stuff like that. He's saying that I've the in me. <laughs> we all know what you're saying. I vehemently <laughs> deny all allegations made against me. They have shocked me to my core as I have never been abusive or violent in any way in my relations with women. I am blessed to have shared extraordinary relationships whether through work or love with many great women. And I have enormous respect for the women's movement worldwide and their struggle for respect, dignity, equality, and power. I am devastated by any reason I may have given to anyone to say or think of me in these ways that are currently being described. And then there's a longer one where he says a whole bunch of other stuff, but I just feel like to come out here and deny all these allegations, but still, um, commit to some of them just says that just like I said earlier you'll cherry pick what's good and what's not but you'll also leave to not face your consequences so that tells me you don't have any accountability and that all this is up for grabs to be believed yeah just one little point before we end this is I was curious about his ex-wife Kimora and her stance like Kimora was with this man for years she had two kids with him what did she say? I'm, I'm interested too. 
I and when I first when I saw the first one, I was disappointed, but I wasn't surprised. But when I saw the updated, I was like, "Funny how time makes you say different things." Ooh. So first in two thousand and. Uh, 17, 2008, when this first was released, Kamora says on her Instagram, I add my voice to the chorus of those speaking out against harassment and violence in all its forms. I have known Russell for over 25 years. We were close friends, married, divorced, and have remained friends, co-parents, and partners throughout it all. These allegations against him are nothing like the person I have known in all that time. I have known him to be caring, uh, Oh, I have known him to be a caring and supportive father and someone who has worked tirelessly to uplift de-enfranchised communities. No, I said that wrong. <laughs> I have known him to be a caring and supportive father and someone who has worked tirelessly to uplift disenfranchised communities. <laughs> that was embarrassing. So as you see from the first statement, Kamora is saying, you know, that's not the man I know. But I just want you to know that I am against harassment. But that's just not the man I know. Then, a few years later, you know, Kamora's with this other man who um, is being accused of doing some shady shit with finance. But um, as they clear that up, Russell Simmons decides to um, sue Kamora Lee Simmons and her new husband, uh, basically saying that, Russell Simmons had some stock in one of their stocks. And because he got called up doing shady business, Kamora Lee's new husband, Tim, they used his stock shares to cover his bail. And that was illegal. And he wasn't supposed to do that, whatever. Okay. Now, Kamora Lee and her husband, Tim, are saying, you know, um, Russell is lying. We didn't use his stock shares to do anything. He was on that. He was on that board for that company, but ended up leaving. So then once he left, he was not entitled to know anything about what we were doing. But this is where it's funny. Her quote uh, from her lawyer about Russell doing this is, Kamora and her children are shocked by the extortive harassment coming from her ex-husband, Russell Simmons, who has decided to sue her for shares and dividends of Celsius stock in which Kamora and Tim Leisner invested millions of dollars. This is a ill-advised attempt by Russell to use the legal system to access funds he is in no way entitled to, and which his own legal team confirms Russell did not pay for. Russell's continued aggressive behavior not only blatantly distorts the facts, but is simply a desperate PR ploy, ignoring the years of mental and emotional anguish gaslighting and ongoing harassment he has inflicted on Kimura. Huh. Ain't that funny? Times have changed. Now that somebody's doing something against you, and, and, and this is not to d demean her if, if, if those claims are true, but now it's you're saying what he could have been doing all these years, but when people were telling their stories, you knew this man for decades and he was a caring, supportive father who who's never been abusive. Yeah, I I get what you're um, saying, but at the same time, there's a few more ingredients to that meal. I like the way you put that. Thanks. But 
but yeah, so that's her before and after statements after being sued by her husband versus when he's being prosecuted by other women for harassment. Russell Simmons is still free. Um, all the lawsuits, around, as far as I looked up, he has no active lawsuits against him. But feel free to read these stories on Rolling Stone, the New York Times, or watch the documentary to learn more. Because there is definitely to. a lot more stories. And I couldn't even get that in-depth into the stories I did have because there was a lot of information. But as you know, yeah. I can fall down the hole sometimes. That's... And I feel like this one has been one of the most surprising ones to me. And I did I, I kind of cut it out, but like we talked about it briefly, like how he, he was Uncle Russell. So uh -huh. he, he made this turn from being like this hip hop executive, you know, being real big and uh flashy to being like a family guy and turning the corner and just being about the community and yoga and all this other stuff. He tried to rebrand himself and it worked for a little bit. <sighs> Fucking so disappointing. All these people who reached the top and for what? To do evil? Like just <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. It's just like a man thing. Like it's always the men who like, you know, do these fucking they reach the, the top to do evil. Yeah, like what the fuck? Like if that I reached the top, good. I'd be doing so much good. Oh my gosh, like I'm talking about paying people's bills and rents and 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 trying to fix these shitty laws and get people college educations. Like I could not be any these people are just yeah, they're evil. Allegedly. Allegedly, you're right. Yeah. Which it I know it's not about sex. I know it's not about sex with rapists, but it it always blows my mind that he can literally have his choice of women that would want to have sex with him. Why rape? Mm -hmm. Like it, it always fucking it, blows my mind. I think it shows how more disturbing he is, especially when you, like we talked about the pattern, he enjoys cornering women and making them uncomfortable. That's so fucking sick though. Like he, enjoys, that's, he allegedly enjoys luring them. Like, that part right there. Yeah. That, why he's like either driving them home or having someone drive him home. Mm -hmm. Is he like looking over at her thinking, oh, she's starting to notice. Is she getting nervous? Is she getting nervous? Like, is he like, is that part of like the sick thrill for him? Like, of, you know, leading like the, the sheep to slaughter type of thing. Yeah. Cause I'm at, I'm <clears throat> like, you've been in a, like a Uber or something where they make the wrong turn and you're like, what the fuck's happening? Like, you know, like yes, it fucks like, you up. It freaks yeah. you out. So imagine that when you know he's supposed to make a right and he makes a left and you're like, um, we're going that way. And he's like, oh no, 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 no. And like so it's so disappointing because I think he's a vegan. Yep. Yeah. So that yeah. Any any last thoughts? Those those were your last thoughts, right? I'm no longer fan. Fan becomes foe. Yeah. I do want to say, though, I wonder what Justine has to say about it. She was always my favorite. <laughs> this this has no correlation and makes no sense. But Justine always gave me, like, like Black April, and April gave me White Justine. And what I mean by that is the Jackass movies, Bam Margera's mother. I always thought those were, like, 
they they're the same person. They they seem kind and sweet, but they also seem very dramatic. <laughs> I'd be honest with you. I have <laughs> never seen Jackass. I know. It's I not just my type of show. I don't like stupid like that. It's no, you don't even like certain words that they definitely do on that show. So you would never watch it. But I just had to mention it. Because I just watched Jackass yesterday. <laughs> yeah. It, so, if I'm being honest, it kind of lowers my opinion of you, but that's a cross we have. I have to bear. I mean, I mean, do we have high opinions of each other? <laughs> I think so. We have those side eye moments, but for the most part. Oh, so you side eye me because I like lowbrow entertainment every once in a while. I like to turn my brain off. Yeah. Shame. But if you like to turn your brain off with a media, <laughs> I was trying to do a segue into it. I forgot how. I liked it. It was cool. <laughs> um, we like to end every episode on a positive note, unless you have something else to add about Russell. No, I'm done with Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry. I'm just joking. It's Russell Simmons. Yeah, I hope he never shows his face in this town again. We gonna run this town tonight. <laughs> but we do like to end every episode on a positive note with some form of media we want to recommend, discuss, explore, shit mm -hmm. on. Yep, 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 yep. Do you want to go first? More talk about Jackass? No, you go first. Okay. <laughs> so, my media, because I haven't thought about it in forever, is the show Run's House. Um, that is such a cop-out. I never said I was a cop-in. <laughs> so, <Shut> Run's up. House. <laughs> cop-in. Run's House was about Run DMC, um, Rev Run, and his family. There was Angela and Ziddy. And a few more. <laughs> Damn. I, I totally forgot their names right now. Did you say Ziggy? <laughs> What's his name? Ziggy? <laughs> and Russie? And JoJo? JoJo. I hated JoJo. He was annoying. But, okay. So, I first started watching it, or my sister watched it first, and I hated it. I hate I hated how everyone on that show talked. I did not understand why they all talked that way. I still don't know why they talked that way. Especially the kids. But then it really started growing on me. And I watched it a lot. I even watched, I think they had a spin-off show with just the sisters. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched that. Of course and It was a, for the most part, it was just like a reality show where they don't really do anything. Yeah, because they were a very um, well-to-do family, so they weren't doing any, like, partying, drinking, dating, hooking. Like, they do a little dating, but they didn't do none of that. They were the wholesome reality TV show. That it, it was very wholesome. And I remember one of the saddest moments on that show was Justine was pregnant, and she ended up losing the baby. Like, I think... Mm, I do remember it, that, too. Yeah, like, it was so weird, like, seeing that on a reality show, just because I think they went to the hospital, and it was, like, all cheerful, and then it, like, cuts to later, and it's, like, they tell us that the baby didn't make it. Mm. Yeah, they, they, they didn't have a lot of sad moments like that. That was definitely one of the biggest, yeah, biggest yeah, profound was, moments. 
I think it was just like a wholesome show, and I I love Justine. I I remember one time for some reason, instead of it ending at St. Ron's house, it said Justine's house. Like maybe it was like an like an episode of hers. Yeah, so like every time. Like I, yeah, at the end of the theme song, I would always say Justine's house. Okay, of course you do. <laughs> but um, that's my media. I do have a few write-ins. We're two write-ins. Two write-ins. Yeah. What? Um, look at, look at us. I feel like I know one, but well, two? yeah, one's obvious. One you also know. It's Jacob from Hits Don't Lie. Hits, don't you motherfucking play with me. (laughs) His was, I'm just going to read the message. I have a media for you guys. You talked about WandaVision, made me think of the amazing song by the rapper and drag artist Ocean Kelly. They also have a new song out called Vitamin D, which I really suggest checking out. But this WandaVision music video was a huge moment. And I listened to it. I did really like it. It's called (laughs) Wanda's County vision i have to listen to it um, I'm, I'm very familiar with uh ocean kelly right yeah because they collaborated with habob the drag queen who i love so yeah i gotta i gotta check out those two songs even though i'm not familiar with wandavision but i'm hoping i can still enjoy it <laughs> it's it's a good song um in the music video it has agatha's revenge also with it because i looked it up on spotify and I like that song real a lot. Like I've been playing it, and I heard Ocean Tally before. I think I might have heard it off of the Hits Don't Lie podcast because I don't know where else I would have heard it from. Probably they showcase uh, all t- all types of different artists, so I, yeah, I would so assume I that's the music. one you're listening to. Maybe. <sighs> Damn, I gotta be familiar with more. More music. I've just been listening to the same playlist for the last three months. I have not listened to any new albums. It's kind of shameful because I've been trying to, like, if I, if I don't hear it on the radio and want to Shazam it, I've been listening to the same thing. But I, I think I need to, to go back to listening to albums again. I went from Christmas music to Taylor Swift. I knew. That's, and, you haven't, <laughs> and you haven't left her. You have never no, left her. I haven't left her. So. That's why you're the problem. It's you. <clears throat> <laughs> Good Taylor Swift reference. Thank you. Um, but thank you so much, Jacob, for sending that. And I just added it on my. I was about to say Apple Music. I meant YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I just added it on my Apple YouTube Spotify Music. <laughs> it's very catchy, and I also listened to that other song, Vitamin D. And I actually really like that one too. Um, the next one we got is from Trisha. Come Hers on. Is, hey Jose, then hey Katrina. <laughs> I I hope I got the greeting correctly this time. That's I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to share some media with y'all. This week it's Touch Me, Tease Me by Case. It's an old R and B song featuring Foxy Brown, and she basically makes the song for me. It's such a 90s beat and vibe. I love it. Thank you guys for all you do. Have you ever heard that song? I don't think so, but you sounded wonderful, whatever you were doing. Oh, thank you. It, 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 I mean, honestly, I love the song, but I'm a sucker for background vocals. And Mary J. Blige does the background vocals, so I love the song even more. Ooh. 
gonna have to give that a listen. You should. I don't. I'm. You're you're very surprising. So it might not be your thing, but you might you know think it's a good sound. Maybe. <sighs> Does this mean I have to go? You don't have to. Okay. We'll send it. Okay. No, I'm okay. going. How dare you? Oh. You really? You trying to cut me off like that? I was just trying to cut you off. I was just trying to have you do whatever you're comfortable with. I knew you couldn't be trusted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I have to admit something. Now, the Grammys were this past weekend. I'll, almost all my girls were there. All the all the Thanos stones were there. The only people missing was Rihanna. Some would say Nikki. I would agree a little bit, but whatever. You had Beyonce, you had Lizzo, you had Adele. Taylor. You had Beyonce, you had Lizzo, <laughs> you had Adele. You Stop. Stop. <laughs> I, I'm not going to stand for Taylor hate. Okay. SZA. <laughs> anyway, um, some of our faves came and scooped up some awards. And then it became uh, Album of the Year. And we all know who most of us wanted to win. I knew she wasn't going to win, but she didn't. It was Harry Styles who won. And everybody threw a fit. I say, as they should. But here's where I had to shut the fuck up, right? Mm -hmm. A couple weeks ago, I was riding in the car with my sister. And I kept, I kept hearing the songs. And I was just like, damn, this is a good-ass song. I'm singing it every fucking day I hear it on the radio. And I finally said to my sister, I said, Shazam, Google, whatever that song is, and tell me what it is. That shit said, As It Was by Harry Styles. <laughs> I was shooketh. <laughs> I did not know I liked this man's song like this. So, whereas I can say that... Um, maybe he didn't deserve album of the year, but if he wouldn't song of the year and not Bonnie Raitt, I would have been like, y'all can't say shit. That's a fantastic song. Uh huh. So basically, the short end of that long ass story is that, as it was by Harry Styles, is my media. Um, it's catchy. I don't know what it is about that song. It's it's great. It's addictive. Did know. you see that TikTok trend where it would be like, it was like a sad one. But it'll be like the song playing, it would be like, you know, it's not the same as it was. And then it would show like, you know, a video or something or a picture of let's say a guy and his grandma. And then the next frame it'll be like a sad one of like the Him guy and the, the grandma's ashes or something. I knew yeah. it, yeah. I feel like I didn't, but I also feel like well, here's the thing actually. Huh, do they only do that to As It Was or do they do that to other songs? Because I, I mean, like... I'm sure that trend has come and gone. Okay, because I was about to say, I've definitely seen that trend, but I don't know if it was to that song. Yeah, I just I... love that damn song. <laughs> I, I like the song. I like the album. I did think his A Fine Line was a better album than Harry's House. Is that the one with the Watermelon Shaka? Yeah. Boo. I thought that one was a better album. But Adore You is that jam. See, I, apparently I like one Harry song every album. Shit. Every album. But I... Okay. I foolishly did think that Beyonce was going to win album of the year, like I do every time she's up for the award. She really deserved it. This one in Lemonade, she really deserved. 
Lemonade, she deserved. Would you say she deserved it for Lemonade more or for this more, for Renaissance? I'm going to say Lemonade. Yes. She deserved it more because we got it all in one package. There was monologue, there was visuals, and people found out Beyonce was black. Yeah, I agree. And here's honestly what pissed me off. I love me some Adele, but I think Adele's 25 one, which is not the best Adele album. And that one over Beyonce broke my heart since I love them both. So yeah, Eliminate definitely deserved it this year. I feel like more than Renaissance, but I feel like Renaissance should have been, it was, I think like people said, it should have been either this one or Bad Bunny. Oh, def- yeah, like, not even, like, talking about Bad Bunny, one of the biggest superstars in the world. I've heard Bad Bunny's name in the last seven months more than I've heard some relatives. Like, Bad Bunny, <laughs> Bad Bunny is everywhere, so yeah. He's I Bad thought, Bunny. He's a bad one. <laughs> I, I, I definitely thought it was going to be between one of them, but I, I, I figured that they were going to go on this whole thing and it wasn't until i listened to the read that i clocked that beyonce posted her grammy wins on instagram before album of the year so she knew <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah there was i saw that people were talking about that like if she knew already or if they knew about what awards they're winning which i don't think they know but it's just crazy. Like, she just hasn't won album of the year ever. And people are saying it's because she has too many. Like, did you read that article about some of the voters saying why they voted the way they did? And why? So one person said that they feel like she, her and like Adele, because they did call out Adele too. They said they just have too many. So I voted Lizzo. And one, they, they told us the ages. One of the 70 year old voters said, even though ABBA's uh, CD wasn't the best, I voted for them because they deserve it. They should have had this and that. And it's like, bruh, it's not about who has too many awards. It's truly about who deserves the awards so we can make sure that people who keep deserving the awards get them. Not just your favorites. Yeah, because that cheapens it. When yeah. we win our number one podcast awards, <laughs> um, I want it to be like, I don't want Joe Roden to win the year before. Mm-hmm. And I don't want any hits don't lie stand saying. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking. Oh, speaking of hits don't lie, I forgot to mention it. Another drag artist, well, Trixie Mattel. Love Trixie. But I think I heard Video Phone, which is a Lana Del Rey song, on Hits Don't Lie first. The one Trixie Mattel covered. And the only video phone I know is Bonance. Did I say video phone? Video games. Okay. I know what you're yeah. talking about now. Video games by Lana Del Rey was on. No. <laughs> video games by Lana Del Rey. Trixie Mattel covered it. They talked about it on Hits Don't Lie. Mm-hmm. And at first I was not feeling the song, but. I love everything else that Trixie does. So I'm like, maybe, maybe let me listen to it again. And it's one of my favorite covers. I have to re re read re what? Re-listen. I don't think I liked the video games when I heard it from Lana Del Rey. I think I like 
three like Lana Del Rey songs. No, that's a lie. I only like two. And one of them, you know why I like it? Why? Because that bitch Jessica Lange. Oh, I think we had this conversation before. Probably. <laughs> okay, let's end. We, we were repetitive. Let's end it. Um, thank you guys for listening so much. We don't say it enough, but really, thank you guys. We really do appreciate it. Mm-hmm, 100%. And please don't forget to vote for us for Podcast of the Year. The Millennium. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast of the 2000s. Let's just say that. <laughs> Um, if you want to reach out to us, our email is saveyoursorry at gmail.com. You can give us your media or there's our Twitter. There's our Instagram. I'm not going to tell you this time. If you want it, find it. Do some work. It's been wonderful. Bye.